Ah, Commander Burnham, I believe we are due for a conversation, perhaps Oh, no, should... no, 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 there's no need. But we agreed to discuss. No, it's, it's, it's you, Saru. Uh, and chain of command dictates it. I don't know if it's ever been me. You brought this ship through time. You carried this crew on your shoulders. Welcome to Strange New Takes. I'm your host, Notch Garnick, and this week visiting San Francisco 900 years from now with me are Emily Bowen Marler and Rodica Baker. Strange New Takes is a Star Trek themed pod that's supposed to be covering strange new worlds, but you know that's not going to be here for a few more years. And with so much new Trek already out, we're jumping in a little early. Today, we're super excited to bring you our strange new takes for the latest episode of Discovery, People of Earth. But before we get there, we do want to encourage you to follow us on social media. So we're at at the rate strange new takes on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Also, do tell your friends about us. We love getting strange new listeners from all over the world, and your recommendations will get us there. Uh, To that note... Do not forget to give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Uh, if people are looking for Trek pods um, to pick up um, and they don't know about us, that's the best way for them to find out. So we appreciate your rating. And if you're new to the podcast, just know that this podcast, literally all our podcasts, include spoilers for this episode and potentially other episodes of Star Trek and or other shows. If you haven't had the chance to watch People of Earth and don't want to get spoiled, feel free to hold off on this episode until you get a chance to watch it. If you don't care, though, you should jump in. Uh, And and before I jump into the episode summary, I want to point out that uh, there are seven of us, typically, who record this podcast. That means that there are 49 unique combinations of us (laughs) that we can have. And I think tonight we've got one with just the three of us that we haven't had before. So I'm pretty excited to see what happens. Strange and new. Um, but, uh, <laughs> right, uh, yeah, that's that's a, that's a theme. Uh, and, 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 okay, speaking of strange and new, we had an, an episode of the series, season three, episode three of Discovery, People of Earth. Uh, it was written by Boyun Kim and Erica Lippolt, who were also on the ready room after the, the episode. It's directed by Jonathan Frakes. He offered... Thomas Riker, I believe, is his most famous character <laughs> that he's played. Um, and it was, it was, the in-universe date was 86.5211.3. I shouldn't have started with an 86. I should have gone 86. Anyway, <laughs> um, the episode summary is, reunited with Burnham, Discovery heads to Earth to find out what happened to the Federation in the last thousand years. No biggie. <laughs> it's all good. They'll be welcomed with open arms, of course. Uh, that wasn't part of the summary, but so strange new takes, y'all. What what y'all got? So I'm gonna pick up with where I left off a couple of episodes ago around um, difficulties with cardio and masks. I've been trying that out mm-hmm. for another uh-huh. two weeks, and uh, 
I have gotten better. I have a solution. And guess what that is? A different it's listening mask? to oh. podcasts while running. Uh-huh. And guess which podcast I listened to while running. Us? I wasn't here. <laughs> yep, I wasn't here last week, so I wanted to see what you guys had. And I guess I'm a little biased, but I listen to a few podcasts while running. Um, I listen to uh, English Premier League soccer, financial stuff. And I've noticed that that doesn't really help me feel better about my running. I get more stressed out. Um, I will I will say, as unbiased as I can be, that listening to y'all speak was actually extremely therapeutic. I really liked it. It had a good pace to it. It helped me with my running. And I was actually, you know, a mile or a couple miles in without realizing. Um, I, I don't run for hours nice. and hours, just 30 minutes. So, you know, approximately. You should give us a five star review. I think I should. <laughs> I, <laughs> I'll read it on the pod. <laughs> well, it's on the pod already now. But seriously, guys, if you if you are outdoors or exercising, it worked for me. I, I didn't expect it to. I thought I'd have to switch to some kind of uh, uh, upbeat music. This this really helped. So I'm, I'm looking forward nice. to I don't know how it'll be next week because I will be listening to myself speak and maybe that's not that much fun but um <laughs> that's my um strange new take out there and then with respect to this episode mm, uh, they've they've sort of done away with Aditya Sahil he wasn't there in the second one he wasn't there in this one and I'm, I'm starting to fester here but uh, let's see <laughs> <laughs> he was there for like a half second like they showed some like stock footage of him <laughs> Yeah, I'm not um, in the that, beginning. Okay, that, that's just me. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. Uh, my strange new take is that the best Western ever made is The Mandalorian, mm. and you all should watch it if you all haven't it. yet. It is an excellent, excellent genre uh, uh, product. And uh, with this episode, you know, if I was transported to earth 900 years from now i would probably go and check out what like space candy was like or a new like broth that now the like space vietnamese have created you know how has that food evolved i might go to space india and check out what happened to my family what i would not do is go find this big tree that i studied under at start at my school um you know Beloit College has done wonderful things for me and I love it University of Chicago as well and the University of Minnesota wonderful places trust me they are great not the place I would check in on be like yo what (laughs) happened here oh looks like that class that I hated is still around oh cool so I yeah yeah I'm just gonna leave it there for the strange new take okay I have a thought about that, but I'll do it when we get later in our episode. But help me remember. Okay, my strange new take is um, I always loved when daylight savings ended because I loved getting the extra hour of sleep. And I loved that the sunlight starts a little earlier in the morning because I tend to be up early, walking the dog or running or something. Wow, it sucks daylight savings ending when you have a kid (laughs) Mm. like any of the benefit of it 
non-existent. Oh. It was a rough night. <laughs> so, and I didn't experience that when you spring forward, it's easy right. because he wants to sleep later. But no, no, no. He was up at 4.20. So, um, <laughs> and was up for a while in the middle of the night as well. So anyway, and my strange new take for this episode is... Um, how do I word this? <laughs> I felt like we were transported to, um, <laughs> well, to Trump's America writ large as the planet Earth, 930 years in the, or however many years we are in the future. So that, I just was like, wow, this is like, they're not even masking what they're trying to say here. It, it was, <laughs> I don't know. It was, it was just... a little on the nose when the mm-hmm. when the Titan mm-hmm. guy on his mask had a little thing that says "Make Titan Great Again." That that text was a dead <laughs> giveaway. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, um, so. yeah. So let's let's with that with that reference to the thinly veiled metaphor. Let's jump into story and writing. Um, as you just said, it is it is. A very thinly veiled metaphor that has only become more mm-hmm. relevant with COVID. Um, it's going to be interesting mm-hmm. next week when they find that Earth has been hit with a space affliction. And, you know, again, <laughs> right? Like, given given how things are going, that's episode four. But, okay. Oh, my God. So, what did, what did y'all think about the way that... Um, and, and this we're going to discuss the UEDF and all of that in a second. But mm-hmm. just the way that this... Um, way this earth was written and the way this metaphor has been created by the writers. Um, did y'all, did y'all have a reaction to it that was positive or negative? I think, I think, um, as, as, as we mentioned, it was, it was a good reflection on reality on how, um, in, when, when faced with a crisis leadership at, uh, on earth, um, uh, introverted became xenophobic um, we've seen similarities, um, not just in the United States, but, but in various other parts of the world over the last, you know, um, five to 10 years, um, the state the UN is in right now, um, it's, it's kind of similar to me in the sense that, um, a lot of countries are looking into why they shouldn't provide value to the UN mm-hmm. and the UN should provide more value to them. Um, and it's, it's interesting. We kind of go back to how the league of nations didn't work out the predecessor of the UN. And it's, 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 I, I, I think long story short, I liked that view. Um, I, I could see the parallels. Um, the, the, uh, make Titan great again, but I didn't see that, but <laughs> I saw it with Make Earth Great Again is how I saw it. But right. um, yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's bad. Um but but I definitely saw parallels to a broader geopolitical situation. Um and and um well that that helps me be intrigued about what happens next. I was kind of wondering at the end of this episode if they would start um, negotiations to bring the UEDF back into the Federation first new founding member because that has to happen at some point, right? You need to start pulling um, civilizations in. Anyways, but that's yeah. what I thought um, about the UEDF. 
you know, I, um, I, there's a pattern. Every single episode has done this where the first two thirds of the episode, I'm like, holy hell, what the, what are they doing? Like, I don't need this stress in my life right now. Pandemics suck. This election is stressing me out and I just need to enjoy my Star Trek. Right. Um, and I, I mean, not that I haven't enjoyed it, but it's just been stressful because it's like not showing me the future that I long for. Right. It's showing me the future that I fear is coming our way. But um, the um, but then but then all of them end with this hopeful like, no, no, it's not going to stay here. Like, don't worry. We're not going to leave it here. You know, so. I told Travis, I said, I'm going to have to just remember every time I watch an episode, stop getting so tense about this because it's going to all be better by the last five minutes. Right. Yeah. But um, but yeah, it was very. um, Well, I mean, I kind of I I put a bunch of quotes in later. Okay. Um, just exactly. Well, actually, I could even say like I put I, I had mega make Earth great again. Um, there's also a bunch of Earth first like um, and i just thought this is like the worst impulses of the united states of america and and you know let's face it so um earth is kind of like the us and the federation yeah. right you know i mean when they're doing that whole analogy so it it works out to have the analogy be that parallel but um you know earth has a, has to have a or earth has to have a strong defense protocol in the name of self preservation um you know everyone lost someone to the burn we had to focus on what we still had our planet earth is self sustainable yeah. now um, Earth is no longer a part of the Federation. Why should we be? We can take care of ourselves. Um, and then even so far as, you know, so it sounds like they booted Starfleet off and booted the Federation off the planet because they worried that those were going to make them a target. Um, and also there was the line where um, when said Earth hoards to lithium while others suffer. And uh, the president's response was or the captain's response was you bring your suffering on yourselves and I just, that's like blaming the poor, you know, like, oh, you, you that are living in poverty, it's yeah. because you're not strong enough and, and in, you don't know how to take care of yourselves and you're suffering because of your own, your own weakness. And it's just so. I mean, it was, it was yeah. very much on point when Andoye came on the screen wearing a red tie saying, you know, all this looting that y'all are doing and Antifa <laughs> from Titan has been the problem. I mean, let, let, let's... So so I, I want to point to also the fact that, you know, these nationalist, cynical nationalist movements are occurring in... Every Britain, country, Hungary, right? India, mm-hmm. Turkey. Like, mm-hmm. you, there's... And I think there's... If Star Trek wants to tackle that zeitgeist, I don't think I can judge it until we get to a resolution. And I want to see... Because yeah. if there are really smart people that are going to show us a way to deal with this, I, I'm... Well, all ears like i want to process that because you know Mm -hmm. you do find yourself asking these questions like where do we go from here and if this piece of art can show us that that would be great i just don't want to be in a situation a year or two years from now where what we see on screen is so divorced from reality that like it 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 turns into this kind of like well they really thought that would work huh and there's no way the writers could do that there's a very fine line between those two things i think and um you know what what might have seemed for example the 80s idealism to be very realistic as mm-hmm. of as a vision of utopian future seems hokey and corny to some people now so i think this is something that is going to have to stand the test of time but i appreciate the writers trying to do it and i'm going to see where they mm-hmm. how well they turned their needle and i'm going to i i will probably take it easy on them just because i like that they're doing it um, I don't watch like other shows that might be like 
something i don't know if there's like a west wing re i love the west wing but if there's a west wing reboot dealing with this i probably it's too real <laughs> but the world of star trek yeah. i don't mind <laughs> like I <laughs> well and you know i'm not i'm not mad that they've done this it's more um i just i just see i see our country mm -hmm. being this so much and it's like painful to watch yeah earth be that in star trek you know so i think that's the and but i totally i'm with you if they can find a way because i know i as a viewer need hope that we can get out of this nationalistic turn that we're taking you know i mean when i went to a world war one museum a couple years ago and it was just horrifying watching the you know you go into the video at the yeah. beginning of the museum whatever it was horrifying watching it because it is exactly what's happening now yeah. you know it's just like and you just i mean it's just like lockstep right i'm like oh i know where this is going and i don't want it to go there and how can we get out of it and right yeah, yeah I, I and i think there are a lot of other people probably who are having the same reaction i do want to keep us um chugging along here um, mm -hmm. Something else I noticed during this episode is that there's just a lot of awkward moments between people. Like, there's just so much. I, any of you notice? Like, I found myself in my notes just being like, awkward, 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 awkward. Like, it just, it felt like, and a lot of it was Burnham. It just felt like there wasn't the sense of, like, how to behave around each other, which, I don't know. I didn't, I guess I didn't need that. Is it the new Burnham trying to fit into relationships that she had with the rest of the crew? Is that what you mean? Or you mean like awkward book talking to Giorgio? Uh, um, but that was intended awkward. Right, that, right. That was... And I feel like the, I don't know if all of these moments are intended to seem awkward. But they just there was a lot of awkwardness just in this episode. And a lot of like just things that felt kind of awkward to me. And, I, and so I don't know. Maybe Maybe it's just that sense of like it conveys a sense of, you know, this is, we don't know these people um, that we're going to meet on earth and it's, it's a new universe. So maybe that sense of awkwardness is giving us as the viewer, that sense that things are, are different, but again, maybe I'm just picking up on things that nobody else picked up on. So I can keep us moving here. I will say, I wonder if, um, so you ever have the person who goes abroad for a year and then they come back and they don't know how to interact with anybody anymore because they've had all of these experiences and none of you could possibly understand. I wonder if Burnham will kind of get a, back to herself. Oh man! And she makes the comment like she needs to, um, she needs to find herself, her find her way back. But it's almost like she kind of has, oh, you, none of you quite understand what, what I've experienced. And she didn't do it like that, but it's kind of. There were a little bit of overtones. Oh, yeah. I mean, I my notes literally had, when she was talking to Saru, I've changed, Dad. You've, you you know, there are things I've seen. Uh, I'm not the same person I was when I went to college, like, in December. Uh, but anyway, yeah. uh, we, we'll, we'll get to Burnham. We'll get to Burnham. But uh, yeah. let's, uh, speaking of Burnham, there was a very convenient uh, plot device here where the Burnham News Network comes on the view screen in the form of Michael Burnham standing in front of it, telling all the crew and us as the viewer a whole bunch of information <laughs> very fast. Also very helpful mm. was when she was fighting that uh, hologram, the end, like the audio when she's walking away, combat simulation complete. Yeah, if that guy, you know, if I hadn't heard that, I would have just been like, oh man, she like discombobulated that dude and he disappeared. She whacked him so hard that he disappeared. And, you know, as the viewer was dumbass so i didn't understand that until that line came um anyone else feel like when uh admiral tal came on the when we heard his voice that it, it was going to be a bad admiral 
No, but I thought he sounded like Spock really? when the when the um when the audio degraded. I think the line he was saying was something about the Federation. He was saying something about the Federation, and the only reason I know that is because I had the subtitles on. Mm. But um, but it sounded so much like Spock. I was like, whoa, weird. That's why you got <laughs> Unification Three coming up. I know. <laughs> um, I appreciated finally that we get some grief and a memorial written into the in into the series. I thought the amount of time that they spent there and the tone of that scene changed very dramatically. So it was, I don't think it hit me as, as much as I would have like there, there's scenes like this in Battlestar Galactica and other, uh, sci-fi. And I would have appreciated some slightly more, um, a little bit more time spent on that, but, but at least it's there. Are you talking about the, the part about millions dying and all of that? No. So there's a scene where Tilly was. Yeah, she's she's like touching a bunch of like name tags and badges that have been stuck to a oh, corridor okay, okay. wall. And, and it's not explicitly called out as a memorial, but as soon as Burnham walks up, they start talking about who's died. Mm-hmm. So, but, but this mm. is a good place, I think, to, to jump into the expansion to the world of Trek that this episode gave us. First of all, the ban uh, was not the dilithium going boom. It was the dilithium going inert, which then made all the warp core containments go off kilter and all the ships exploded. If they were at warp, right? Nope. Because I got the feeling that they were at warp because that's why Saru was able to get past. The warp core was active, I think that's what they meant. Yeah, because Saru said that's why Discovery didn't explode was because Mm. they weren't at warp at the time of the burn or something. I that active of... active warp cores detonated in the first part. That's right. what they noted. But then you're right with the Saru bit. Maybe that's that's is that a loophole? Like is that a plot hole where he said they were not at warp? Did they have a deactivated? I have a very fundamental question. Well, he was lying though. He was li- He was like trying to make something up to like keep. But Doi it was supposed off. to be believable, right? In the sense it was well, supposed and... to fit into the timeline. I just and don't know how. And they went in with what's like uh, Burnham. She kind of went like she did like a okay, yeah. You you were listening to what I said, mm. and that's why I I thought like what he heard was that she said if the you know if a ship wasn't active or the warp core wasn't active at that moment, then the ship wouldn't have been destroyed. That's why there are still right. some Starfleet vessels so that are is, around. Is dilithium? Sorry, very fundamental question. Um, <laughs> is dilithium a warp core reaction control mechanism or is it the fuel? Um, because I, I, I have a whole, I have a whole, that's the tip of the iceberg in terms of <laughs> what I found wrong about the burn. Um, I'm going to move yeah. us slowly away from science and, and <laughs> leave that to the good people of ex Astra Science to, to no sci-fi. <laughs> like we, we why don't we figure out an answer to this next week and come back to it? But I, I do. See, there is the scene in the in the show though where all those starships, which there's probably too many of them all just hanging out next to each other, but they all just explode and they aren't at warp; they're stationary. So, mm. Um, mm. I will point to that. Uh, and I did think though that the burn killing quote unquote millions was seemed like a very low number if we're talking about a like a quad, at least a quadrant wide event where all these yeah. ships explode. Millions? It was like it's a, that that scene in Austin Powers where you go one million dollars and everyone's like ha 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 like it's kind of like that. Well, and she even said all known space. Aha! Like so, that's more than just a quadrant, you know? Mm. Like anyway. Yeah. Well. Yeah, and, and and again, I didn't mean to dive into the details of physics. I, I the tip of the iceberg for me was about the burn and how they're trying to sort of create 
um, an explanation for it, mm-hmm. but it doesn't sit well with me, right? Okay. So the Federation disappeared overnight. Um, you lost warp travel. I get that. And so the ability to move assets, supplies, all of that was was compromised. But what happens to stuff like strategic reserves? Um, did all of the, that go boom as well? Or by people inert? They went inert. So dilithium just went inert. And so, I mean, you, essentially, you can think of this as like tomorrow. Like fossil fuel going away today, right? Right. Like an example. And suddenly, all travel becomes much slower. Um, and and I mean, this this kind of happened. You know, this was. I mean. Game of Thrones tackle this with Valeria going kaput, but like when when the Roman Empire, quote unquote, fell, and it's not like a immediate thing, but over the next hundred or so years, exactly that's years, my point. Things splintered, and you got a whole bunch of little kingdoms all over the place, and they weren't able to maintain unity. There was a lot more of a sense of my village, my kingdom, and you had it, it just the sense of community breaks down when you aren't able to have all of this connection with people far away um, when you're all dealing with a joint tragedy of some sort, you know, there's, there's that weighing on you. And then you have, you know, the, the bad actors who take, seize the moment and make it uh, a, a situation where, where they're exploiting this uh, difficult situation. It's in their interest to make it even harder for you to deal with it. Um, and, and to, you know, like the couriers, are at, we saw this last episode actively cutting off other people and communities. So I, I think the answer is a complex one. And certainly I think if they had like a, a great set of circumstances, maybe the Federation could have overcome this if they had like some sort of great structure or like, uh, or, you know, a, a very capable leader. Maybe we'll find out that the leadership was kind of crap, right? Like, I don't know what the, what the answer is going to be, but... Um, yeah, and, and I'm and I'm not saying that the Federation should not have collapsed. I'm saying whatever we have seen, um, massive structures mm-hmm. failing and falling. Again, I keep pulling up uh, Asimov, Asimov's foundation. It is over time. And, and I think the way you rationalize it makes sense, right? Yeah. It's just I felt that they could have spent some time doing that a little bit more um, as opposed to, you know, burn and hard left and, and that's all we have so. <laughs> um and, and this this actually brings us to the point that we hear that this happened what was it 150 years ago 200 years ago it's before the temporal cold war which is kind of weird um when you th- do 30 years before that the, the current date right? right so that is um that is the burn happened 230 years before no the exp- it, the well the explosion stuff happened 230 years uh. ago Oh, okay. Um, wait, wait, wait. Hold on. No, sorry. I'm looking at my notes. Dilithium supplies dried up 700 years post season two. So they call that out specifically. So yeah. that's two. That's two hundred oh, years. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's. And then a hundred years after that, the burn happened. So right. there was like a shortage of fuel. Right, right, right. Ah. Sorry, that was my my mistake framing that poorly. Um, before the, basically the the scenes we saw in Enterprise occur during the temporal cold war which occurs during the dilithium shortage but before uh, the dilithium go, existing dilithium goes inert so that that's the mm-hmm. chronology there so that 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 was something new we learned um let's let's talk about the UEDF real quick we've we've handled it mostly but we saw this crew of people the uniforms were more militaristic 
Um, there's this massive shield that Earth has now. They have this kind of shoot first attitude. Uh, you know, no, don't negotiate. Just just whack them out of the sky because otherwise they're gonna they're gonna um, exploit you. And to the point where even they've lost contact with their colonies on Titan. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of like very you know this is this is no longer a situation where connections with far away places are hard connections with people in your own like space cluster are are hard um Mm -hmm. so 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 the the extent of the fall is pretty heavy um yeah and 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 we also saw that personal transporters can now go through the shields or at least what the shields used to be (laughs) so um Mm. it's not like a magic uh thing that you have shields suddenly nobody can transport onto your ship uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they deal with that. Are they going to upgrade their shields? Uh, but but that was the that was the um, pivot for the that when guy to dropping his shields and them them being able to get him out right. So there's like different levels of what you can transport into. They were not able to get through Wen's shields, right? Right, right. right. Um, but discovery shields yeah. weren't good enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. And we saw San Francisco uh, again. So it's not really an expansion as much as we just checked in. Did anyone think that there was a reason we had that long zoom shot in the end? Are we going to like come back to that? Because like we spent a lot of time looking at a, a single city for no real reason. And I feel like I want to go look and see the shots that they have of San Francisco and Picard. They, and and there, is, there is a comparison of somebody posted on Twitter a few weeks. Uh, okay, a few days ago. I'd be interested in yeah. seeing that. Yeah. I, I don't know if I retweeted it or not, but um, mm-hmm. anyway. It made me ask a fundamental question again. Uh, I'm probably, this is a simple enough answer. Starfield Academy is on the Sausalito side of the Golden Gate Bridge, not on the city side, right? Not not the Land's End side, do we know? Because it looks kind of clean and, the, you know, like you have the mountains. I always, so not the San Francisco side, but the opposite side. I right? always assumed they the, built the, it on the Presidio, but maybe I'm wrong. Well, maybe another look at uh, that shot with Picard's shot of San Francisco will help us answer. Right. Is that tree there in Star Trek Picard? That's the, mm. you know. I know, but it's going to be smaller. What I, what I did like... Um, and I think um, one of you may also concur is uh, I like the re- the realistic aspect where they showed the Titan uh, kind of elongated due to lower gravity, right? Longer mm-hmm. years, longer face. And again, the oppression bit um, kind of ties directly into the expanse. Um, very similar with the belters. Yeah, I was. I thought it was very expanse. Yeah. A quick shout out, I should say, to Christopher Herdal, who showed up as a guest actor you may know him from stargate atlantis um and i believe he's also in some other uh stuff that is people let me just put it this way people who are way more nerdy than i am we're very excited to see him in the show um so there's there's it's a good actor to pick up for that for that person mm-hmm. hey um i any other expansion of world of trek stuff that you all want to go over before we take a break here uh Okay, finally, I'll just say that Saru has a new table in the Captain's Ready Room. So, hey, good, good, good job building that table up again. But uh, we'll be back with character discussions in just a moment.
Welcome aboard. You're not Detman. Or Tilly. You're rather kill myself. You're Philippa Giorgio. Michael warned me about you. Did you listen? Apparently not enough. Is there a reason we're having this conversation? I'd like to see who's come aboard my ship after gallivanting through space with Michael. Gallivanting? If only I'd known. Where is she? Your girlfriend? She's not my girlfriend. No, really. She's not. We didn't have... Nope, nope. We're not talking about this. Answer my question. In another world, I might have said Michael is somewhere being earnest and doing the right thing. In this one? I'm not so sure. Welcome back to Strange New Takes. It's time to discuss characters, as we do. Uh, first up, oh, Captain, my Captain, Saru, finally, and it had to be you. I don't know if it's ever been me. It was always you. Like, Burnham gets onto the school class table, you know, says the line. The headmaster walks out angry and Saru's the captain. And that's, that's what happens, uh, in my head at least. But it, it was a sweet moment. I mean, like, look at that. Like, Saru, you know, we said it last week. He goes from, like, Googling how to be a captain to, you know, being the natural captain. I did think it was kind of mean of the writers then to have Burnham undermining him in the same episode. And I wonder if that's going to be a theme of this season is that, you know, she's very quickly said, you know, you're the captain. But now she takes advantage of knowing him so well because she's also got mm. this foot in the career life. Yeah. Well, I think I think she tries to explain it. Um, she somewhat apologizes for it, saying, hey, I've been away for a year and I have been, you know, in the weeds on the ground with the realities that we have in this new universe. And I should have probably not gone around you. So, yeah, yeah, I, I see. I see how doing giving him command and then undermining him within when you say same episode, like, yeah, but five, ten minutes, right? That's really quick. Um, but but maybe we see more about that dynamic going forward, like she sort of sets back in and finds a balance. Well, I mean, even if she just said, I have an idea, I just need you to go with it. <laughs> like, like what she said to uh, Book, right? But then doesn't give Saru all the details, but at least Saru wouldn't be like... <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean... You you saw that uh, Saru has so much trust in Burnham that he puts Discovery in between these mega weapons and... Uh, like consoles blow up. People are flying around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the amount of trust. Exactly. And it and works. so, so yeah. he, he has a great deal of faith and that's really nice. I, um, I, and, and I will say that maybe the, the dynamic that we're setting ourselves up for is that Giorgio, he expects her to do wacky evil stuff he doesn't expect burnham to go behind his back so maybe if you know it's that kind of maybe that kind of conflict might be set up like you know when you do it it hurts me because you're not supposed to be like this but it's gonna be interesting to see where they go with that but moving on to to burnham uh we find out burnham's a courier Mm -hmm. and that's how we we talked last week about courier being a or was it, maybe it wasn't last week. Maybe it was the week before. I can't, No, no, last week that maybe courier, like we had been introduced to some nefarious couriers, but it's actually a um, 
you know, a value neutral right. thing. It's the person who's in the position. Yeah. What happened to her being the with with the Sahel being the the beginnings of the Federation? Did she did was that not supposed to be the way forward at the end of the first episode? Something happened and she needed to you know try the stealth approach and gather information, or is she doing both roles? She lost her uniform. Um, there is no Aditya Sahil. I'll say that again. <laughs> I've been to, um, I, I, the way I saw it was that, you know, you saw her buying a Starfleet artifact, right? Like it, it was, I think, Emily, you put into the notes that it was numbered NCC yeah. 7764. I got to go find something. And so maybe being a career is the path to figuring things out. And I think there are some references to her seeking out Starfleet and looking for the Federation. Um, so I, I maybe, you know, maybe she's playing a double game. I don't, I don't know. Mm. Well, doesn't it feel like couriers are really the ones that have the most ability to travel? Exactly. Because they, they're so, so she has to be able to travel to be finding bits of the federation or you know where the remnants are so i mean it's just the, it seems like perhaps it's the only role she could have taken yeah yeah i i if sorry go ahead no i was just gonna say yeah you're right if it, if you were kind of moving around like as a big starfleet ship you'd have a big target painted on you continuously so right makes sense um i did think that the dynamic that emily you pointed out about like i've changed it's no longer the same it was a little overdone and i you know it's interesting that you talked about going abroad because there is that like study abroad like come back and you're different you know i'm sorry notch i gotta break up with you now i've I met somebody else you know like it, there's that kind of like di joke dynamic but anyway but where i went was that i actually went to college outside the country i was born in and I remember going back a year later and it wasn't this awkward. And like, you know, I was a different person and my values had changed a lot. But like, these were still people I loved. And right. Um, and, and there are, I, I didn't, I don't, I don't know. There was, there was a lot of conflict and it just grated on me a lot. I wonder, I wonder if part of it is because like she had kind of prepared herself for the possibility that she would never right, see them again. Right. And that, or that they died, you know, yeah. like that somehow discovery was destroyed. So I think that's why she she made the comment, you know, you can love someone and still let them go, you mm. know. And so I, th I think it was, I think for self-preservation, she just kind of had to set it up like, you know what? I just need to go about my life as though they're gone. Well. And so then having to reintegrate them back in when she'd kind of let them go. Was and, and she's in a very cruel universe where everything she loves has been turned to dust so i mean the, i i think i'm being too harsh but still i did think about that a little bit that's where my <laughs> mind went and that was unfair um tilly notices the hair so so that was the thing that got called out in the show um i i but here's the one thing i don't understand which is that why does burnham turn down suru which to me that was a little odd because like i would be like i care about these people i need to protect them and by being first officer i can keep them safe because i know this universe but then the other thing is, I was like, okay, fine. She has things that she needs to deal with. 
and we need her to grow and like come back to the summer. But then she just accepts it in the end. And, and that was the one scene where I was like, no, let her go her own way. And like, you know, come back to discovery or something. I, it just seemed like it was like this, it turned on a, on a dime and it didn't work for me uh, to see her kind of make that quick move. I, okay. So, um, not to gender this, but, um, as a woman, I find sometimes I'm pretty quick, mm. quick to do what I think other people expect me to do or, um, or if, you know, so Burnham feels a tremendous sense of responsibility for discovery. I don't think there was any decision that she could have made besides stay, being on that ship from that point on. I think that was the only, you know, um, so I know why did she say no, but I don't think she ever said no. I don't think she turned him down in the first instance because she wasn't going to stay on mm -hmm. discovery or maybe she kind of thought for a moment she couldn't, but it's just not in her nature to, she wants to be, be with these people that she feels this responsibility for because they followed her okay. into this future. And, and she said no before, um, before they found out, found out the reality of earth, right? I don't know if that had something to do with it. I wonder if she was mm. like, I need to figure out the Federation and Starfleet. And, and then once that's set up, um, I don't know, maybe I stay with my new life or I come back to the Federation. And then she finds out Earth is a, is a non-player, right? Yeah. They're just not in it. Mm. So she needs to get back. At the and oh, the or, oh, this is so much more grim than I even thought. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna have to stick together you know like this i i have to stay on discovery because this is just anyway heard that uh nobody on terrorly sim has heard about burnham's mom so bummer there mm. interesting to see what's happened but uh we also saw a lot of romance hints thrown around and we'll talk about it when we get to book but uh I, anyone catch the uh Saru burnham chemistry in that final scene i was right there being like i needed a love triangle between Saru and book for uh, michael burnham <laughs> That, that might be a good place for the writers to go. If you're listening, writers, I need that in my life. Um, okay, let's move on to talking about Adira, <laughs> who is played by Blue Del Barrio, uh, the first non-binary character in Star Trek. Very excited to see this person on the screen, uh, this character show up, and it's, it's super cool. Uh, one of the interesting things that I think was immediately apparent to me and and seeing the reaction on Twitter is that the she her pronouns are used for Adira uh in in the in the episode and this is actually addressed by Blue Del Barrio in um oh, okay. I forget which interview it was I think Entertainment Weekly or one of them I, I forget now but it, it, it was I saw it quoted where they say that at the time when this episode was filmed, they weren't out to their family and there was a lot of other like complicating dynamics, but it's also relevant to the story and there is going to be some sort of story mm -hmm. basis for how this evolves. So um, just uh, if you notice that, stay with it. Um, mm. I will express some annoyance for what I see as a second Wesley Crusher in the franchise. <laughs> When Adira became a genius right away, I was like, that's Wesley Wipes. Mm. But if part, of, if part of that is due to having a symbiont. Sure. Memories. I don't know. You know, I don't know if that is a factor or not, but. I, di I didn't think of the Wesley vibes up front, but as soon as they made that symbiont connection, I was like, oh, haircut, Esri Dax. 
Hmm. Um, I see that happening. So then I never really went to Wesley. Yeah, I just wish Adira wasn't sixteen. That's that's like literally just just make the mm. character like twenty something. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe there'll be some super relevant thing that happens that makes it all make sense. Maybe maybe they have the what is it the Kinsinera? Is that am I pronouncing that right? Mm. That the, they have that on Adira's uh, planet, and that is a major plot point for the season three of Discovery. Okay, um, so but more to come with this character, we shall find out in the future. Uh, let's move on to book. And book me onto a Lieutenant Book slowly puts on his uniform. 40 minutes of Star Trek show. Can we have some of them decon scenes, please, in uh, Discovery? My mom wants that too, I think. <laughs> I have to say, decon. I have to say, major props for not doing an ogling yeah. moment in that scene. Because yes. it drives me freaking crazy when one of the people like sneaks a look over at the person while they're changing. I'm like, who does that? You don't do that. That's like disrespectful. Right. And they do that all the time on shows, but no one looked at anyone. You know, they were just getting changed on. Their there own. was the slow zip, though. There was the like, let me help you. And then like, that's different. He was fully clothed at that point. I'm saying when they were taking their clothes off and right, changing, right, right. neither one of them was trying to sneak uh, a peek. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, uh, it's, uh, it, it helped me notice that the Discovery uniforms are very nice, much like David Ajala himself. And um, yeah, I, but genuinely, I think the Discovery uniforms are super cool. And I have reflected on that a little bit over the years. But I, this episode, I really just noticed them so much because you had the contrast with the UEDF uniforms. You had Book putting one on, so his look was different. They are well-designed mm-hmm. uh, pieces of, of Trek mm-hmm. lore. We got the reference. And they also work for multiple body shapes, too, which Very is nice. true as well. Like, yeah, this anyway, is, this I is, This that. is true. Um, we, we, we also had Cleveland getting a shout-out. Um we don't know why he's named Cleveland, even though he's not from Earth. And this was a point of discussion in the show. I My theory is that Family Guy is a treasured relic of the Vadresh. <laughs> and, you know, you, you next week we'll meet Quagmire uh, lyric notes or something, you know. They're all named by Family Guy character and object of learning. So you'll have, like, a Peter Tar- uh, Tablet. That's one of Book's childhood friends. Uh, Lois... Um, laptop. <laughs> okay. Well, the part the part that I liked was um, we called this out. We spoke about this for like five minutes in the first episode, I think, right? Yeah. Human, not human, Cleveland, and they kind of walked through that same part, right? Like where Burton's uh-huh. like still trying to get that out of him. I was like, yes, we figured that out. So, <laughs> yay us. Um, uh, or Adam, it was Adam who was like kind of playing around with Cleveland, right? And the name. And we, I think it was the same episode. Where we were like, he's from the English part of the galaxy, and he's like, this episode, he's like full like bollocks. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's like this space Brit. It's. Uh, I can't remember if this is something I wrote in my notes, uh, just out of like uh, because I was I was reflecting on this whole Britishness thing, or whether she actually says it that way. But in in Goye, actually says. Uh, having HQ made us a target, and I wrote down HQ, like the British say it, you know, <laughs> H. So having HQ made us a target, but I, I can't remember. I was I'm meaning to go back and listen if I was just having fun or if I put that in the notes. But uh, just a quick side note on her, actually. She is uh, played by the South African 
actress uh, whose name has now slipped off my screen because I, I had it up here a second ago and uh, you have uh, yeah it's just about halfway down right. the page Fumzile Sitole and of course I'm not sure about the, the pronunciation of that but uh, apparently this actress was about to quit acting when she got cast on Discovery and then corresponded with Jonathan Frakes after making the episode saying thank you um, this has re rekindled my love of acting and I'm back. This was a story related in the nice. writing room. So it's pretty cool. I thought she did a great job in the episode. It was, mm -hmm. it was such a thin, like, path to walk about being like this, like, person who's expressing all of these things that are anathema to Star Trek, but at the same time, not being a complete villain. She was totally, I felt she was sympathetic right. for sure. She had a good, she had good nuance and how, and facial expressions and yeah. Mm. Yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty great. Um, so, uh, here's just hoping that we get to see more of, uh, Captain Ndoye, or Ngoye, uh, going forward. Uh, Tilly, very little of Tilly that really we needed to explore in detail in this episode, but geogstries, and this thing, this is the thing that happens. No, I was gonna, this is where I'll pop uh -huh. off the, the thing from earlier. So you talked about, you know, why are they going to a tree? Why are they going to Starfleet Academy? Uh -huh. You know, I mean, and it's the reason they're going to Starfleet Academy is because it's the common place for all of them, right? Because right, they're all right, part right. of Starfleet. But also, um, I don't think Tilly's ready to go there with finding out what's happened with her mm -hmm. family and what's happened mm. with uh, her friends because she has that little conversation that she has with Michael where she's really grieving and recognizing what, what she's said goodbye mm -hmm. to without ever having the chance to say goodbye to those things. Um, and so she's just, she's feeling the weight of that. And I, I think she's not, she's not in a place where she can go visit, you know, where her, or find out about her family yet, you know, yeah. but Starfleet feels a little safer. Going to that tree is a little safer, but. A page out of that DNG episode where they find those um, humans in stasis for hundreds of years. And one of them wants to go back. Mm -hmm. I don't remember the name. One of them wants to go back and, meet her family and Deanna Troy walks her through um, her great, 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 great grandchildren and mm -hmm. all that fun stuff. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's an interesting also, I mean, there's so, it's such a big moment and to make it like five minutes out of an episode is kind of an impossible writing task, mm -hmm. you know, like what do you show? Like, and I guess I can see what they went for, right? Like they they were they went for like let's let's do some sort of really meaningful symbolic thing that connects all of these people, um, and I, I don't know it, it didn't not work for me. It wasn't like oh that's a tree lame, but it was like it just kind of it didn't click you know it wasn't like poignant it was, it was which i think the writers wanted me to kind of get a really strong emotional reaction i didn't have one i will say it was much funnier in the ready room watching uh mary wiseman hug a purple piece of cardboard that had wood texture on it which because that tree was a green screen <laughs> um or purple screen right? ouch so it was very good acting on all of the parts of all, all of the actors in that in that scene but in particular mary wiseman so um, we'll see. Maybe that tree is going to get... Honestly, all that big zoom out makes me feel like we're going to get that scene again and there's going to be a bunch of stuff on fire. And uh, and that tree is going to get chopped down. Like Ooh. It's like Chekhov's tree, right? Like you show the tree in episode 3, in episode 10 it has to get burned to the ground, right? Like oh I'm serious. I'm, I'm kind of kidding, but I'm, I'm actually quite serious. Like it's... 
We are worried for the tree now. Right, right. Maybe, maybe the mm. so okay prediction: the tree dies, and then at the end of the season, they plant another one when Starfleet Academy is reestablished. Uh-huh. Now that is cliche. That that is mm. that is cliche right there. <laughs> looks looks like Starfleet Academy goes through a little mini baron. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right uh the trees go inert and explode okay um stamets is in this episode he is cranky engineer man um and discovers a dealer good job uh jo- philip or giorgio anyone else right that giorgio might become the counselor for discovery after watching this episode oh my gosh right? <laughs> conflict resolution like talking to burnham about all of the things that have happened like just a lot of like processing of emotions good job mirror universe you're very good at that yeah, yeah, just in time. I'm. I don't know. For me, she's gonna. And if if I lose out on this hill, I am going to attach myself to Giorgio because I liked her very matter of fact um, uh, personality in this episode, even in the first one, right? Or sorry, yeah, the first one, um, um where she's sort of, she's actually doing yeah she's 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 continuously observing burnham and she's sort of um she mentioned something about oh it looks like you've sort of learned the ways of the world after a walkabout right so mm-hmm. um yeah i i i really like her character throughout uh, right from when she uh uh dishes out um justice to those guys who were you know uh, oppressing those miners zari when she yeah, to to when she unhelmets when right right at the knee, mm. nice. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was wondering where Culber, Nan, and Jet Reno were off to in this episode because they weren't around. They apparently didn't go to right, like they they were stuck inside a hole where Giorgio had hidden all of them for some reason. <laughs> uh, but uh, something. Isn't right still with Gail and Detmer? One of you put this in the notes. Yeah. Well, it's, I, I, I almost had a wondering, like, I don't know my, my, I don't know if this is a good theory or not, but I wondered if she's somewhat empathic or something because mm. she had a really strong reaction to discovering that millions of people died. Um, but also um, it just made me wonder cause she, you know, we start to notice a big difference in her after they crash land on the planet. And I just got this feeling. I mean, maybe, I don't know, maybe she's just sensing the the major difference in this time and space than from where they came. I don't know. But she's still well, she's still off. And she needed to have, oh, I wish I could remember her name. The person who's um, who sits next Joanne, to her on the bridge. Joanne. Yeah, she keeps like she had to keep talking her through right. things like, mm. no, you can, you know, so anyway, indecisive, right? She that. wasn't uh, mm-hmm. okay with Saru's order to get between those quantum torpedoes. Well, that was mm-hmm. uh, insubordination right now. Yeah. I mean, I questioned yeah. the orders and wasn't acting. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I think, I think that PTSD explanation is probably what's, what's looming large at the moment. Um, yeah, there was uh, so, so moving on from characters to memorable moments, uh, Aye, aye, Commander, one eye, we're not pirates. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Classic. Classic. Mm-hmm. Burnham and Book got that chemistry. It is great. Even without Giorgio being like, hmm, you don't look at her that way, do you? Uh, anyway. So. Uh, <laughs> and if you were 
if you were in doubt that non-pirates just do one eye, if you go back to the beginning of the episode when Sir gives the first order, they all go, I, Captain Indian is in, which is kind of nice. <laughs> there should have been one person, like Gene should have come in and be like, I, I. But uh, did you all notice, by the way, that when... Yes. Emily, yeah, Sorry. go ahead. You know... No, no, no. No, I was going to say, he was. He walked by her and said, um, hello, Commander, or something. Didn't and and she like, did like some Burnham? sort of like spit take, which I didn't understand. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I don't Neither either, because mm. she kind of looked at him the way Colbert looked at Detmer when Detmer walked out of sick bay last did, week. Is, you mm. know, it was kind of that like, you know, I don't is, know. Is, was she seeing a ghost? Is, is Jean <laughs> actually Leland Goop reformed into a human being? <laughs> and it's not something that oh. Burnham's like, who are you? Mm. Kind of interesting. The theories are flying right, today. Right, right, right. Um, there is there is also something right at the end of the episode where Michael Burnham says, are you sure you won't miss the uniform? Go watch it and check it out. That line comes out blurted out really fast because they're trying to sync it up with Michael Burnham's lips moving. Uh, that's something <laughs> called ADR. I believe it's called audio something something. Uh, this is something that Josh believes. <laughs> something that starts with a D and something that starts with right, an R. Yeah, I, I looked yeah. this up on... Uh, <laughs> audio or... <laughs> Um, alternative dispute resolution. No, not, not that one. <laughs> so it's automated dialogue replacement, which is, it's a, it's a post-production thing that happens. Once you film the episode, sometimes mm-hmm. an editor will go in there and be like, this dialogue doesn't work, or we need to have it read out because mm-hmm. either the audio quality wasn't good, the acting is poor or something, you know, like they just need a replacement. So then you go into the studio, you record a new line, which gets smashed into the video. With this case, I think she probably says something different. And because the lip sync is off, the audio sounds like it's fast to catch up with the lips. And so something's not right there. And I used to never catch stuff like this until Josh Molina on West Wing Weekly pointed it out. And now I see, I catch ADR problems all the time mm-hmm. where an actor, mm-hmm. they just sound really different. So especially if you listen to head with headphones and you watch the sh- TV shows, you will notice this way more because the audio quality, the tone, intonation of an actor's voice just changes on the, on the beat there. But mm. anyway, uh, any trivia bits, any last things that you want to talk about? Cake is eternal. It is true, yes. It's also a lie mm-hmm. if you're Portal fan. But uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, let's let's move on to strange new ratings. Who wants to stick their neck out and give this episode a rating that I can throw into our spreadsheet? I will go first. I never go first. So, I think I am going to give this a. Four point two five. Okay, all right. And I bumped it up because of the scene in the conference room when, um, when and is it Nagoya yeah. when they come to an agreement and say, "I think we can have a conversation." That was like TNG to the max, mm-hmm. and it was like I wrapped myself up in this warm blanket, and it just made me so happy. Like even. Even the fact that it was in a conference room, like I was like, yes, Jonathan Frakes definitely directed this, mm-hmm. this episode, you know, just, I don't know. It felt so TNG in that moment. And I was like, oh, I've needed this. I've needed this. <laughs> so, and so that's why that bumped my, my score up a little bit. One of those cool directing things that they do in that pointed out in the ready room as well, where both when and 
Ngoye are in the same sh in, in every shot featuring one the other is always there they can't get away from one another they're they're mm. they are intertwined it's these little mm -hmm. visual techniques anyway nice mm. I could go next um I will give this a 7.5 on 10 um and the reason I'm giving it, I'm not giving it an eight is, uh, still waiting to see how they attempt to explain, um, the circumstances around the burn and how the world came about. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm more of the kind of person who would like an explanation that sits well with me in terms of precedents already set again through foundations, through other kinds of collapses. Um, and in, in, in general, um, I think it's a good part of, of, of the reconstruction, right? If you, if you are going to go ahead and, mm -hmm. um, drive hope uh, around a reconstruction, you want to make sure it is symmetrical to the, the fall otherwise if the fall was kind of immediate you kind of set yourself up to potentially have a snap reconstruction which doesn't make sense uh, but outside of that I, I like the fact I actually like the action sequence with the UEDF and um, the Titan ships I wasn't quite sure what was going to happen there's so a little bit of uh, excitement edge of your seat stuff um, so that, that that part I liked um, and intrigued about the new characters um, Adira um, so we'll see how that goes. I'm going to give this a seven out of 10. I didn't hate this episode. I didn't dislike it or anything like that. I think also the aspects of satisfying my curiosity above earth, keep it from like an average score of like five or six. It makes it like a solid episode at a seven. Uh, but I think that there were some missed opportunities, things, more things that I would have liked to find out. And, and, uh, but, uh, yeah, it's basically a very serviceable episode of discovery. And uh, yeah, we, I, let's let's see where we go from here uh, next week. But uh, with that, it's time for me to say thank you, Rudy. Thank you, Emily, for for being here today. I will. Thank you, Nash. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Max, <laughs> Dinah, Bill, Adam, wherever y'all are. Adam, I hope that chili turned out okay. And uh, I hope y'all are all having a great time. Thank you, listener, for listening to us. I want to recommend again that you follow us on social media. You recommend this to your friends and you give us that five-star rating, please. And thanks just to Goa for our theme music. He's got a podcast called Geek Fruit that you can go listen to if you so wish. And finally, special thanks to all the other trees on Earth that we didn't get to see in this episode. You'll make a valuable contribution to Earth Society, Starfleet, while it was there, and the United Earth. And I don't want to make you feel like you, the lack of acknowledgement means that you are any less than that one giant tree that Tilly hugged. Believe in yourself. Follow your dreams. All right. Thanks, everybody. See you next week. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.